Hello, spoiler but here. Due to our special guest, the sound quality of this podcast is dog shit, and for once, it's not Far Long's fault. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Computer Game Show. My name's David Turner. I'm here with Sean Bell, All right. James Farley. Yeah. No Matt Murray this week. I don't. Know, I don't even think he's given an excuse. <laughs> That's an excuse. He was just like, oh, I'm not coming. Just not here. It's just not here. So we've got John yeah. Denton back on the show. Hello, John. What's happening? Um, how you doing? All right. Yeah, very well. You? Good. Yeah, still about. Um, we had <laughs> quite a bit of feedback to last week's show, and uh, we should probably start with. Uh, so we've avoided talking about this off air, haven't we, James? What happened last we week? We have, yeah, yeah. Um, do you want to explain what happened? Because we started getting tweets like instantly. Well, it seems that like towards the end of the show, when we usually do the emails, somebody. Okay, this is partly my fault because I didn't mute my microphone <laughs> okay. properly. Yeah, but it's also mostly your fault for not realizing it happened in editing. Okay, before you continue. I will then go on to, after you finish this, I will then go on to explain to everyone why it is mostly your fault, partly my fault. The other way round. But but let's hear your side of, of, of the story first. Well, yeah, as I said, I forgot, yeah. I think I forgot to mute my microphone. Okay. Although actually I don't think it was that because there was also the feedback about the bad sound as well. Yeah. And I think that may have been because I was using the internal mic rather than my proper microphone. You're doing your job for me, but continue. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, but again, that's not like such a big thing compared with you not even bothering to listen to it and not even bothering to like check whether it was right or not. Right. Is that's that the worse. end? That's your argument. Okay, let's go to mine. First of all, do you want to edit the show? Because uh, let I me explain mind. the I situation. Do a better job than you. It, if you think, if you think about it, right, this is about the third or fourth time you fucked up. Yeah. Like you know, recently. Yep. And it's a three-hour show. Well, last week's show was um, nearly, what was it, two and a half hours long? Um, And there is no way I'm going to spend two and a half hours listening to every little thing in that show and edit out bits that that I don't want on it. It's just not happening. I haven't got the time. I haven't got the energy. I've not got the patience. And to be quite frank, this show is not worth it. My time is very valuable, James. (laughs) Okay, so then if you've got such a cavalier attitude to that, then why should it matter whether I've muted my microphone or not? Well, no, because this is it. James, it it wasn't the whole mute your microphone thing because you thought that you'd muted your microphone, and when we looked at, but here's what happened, right? So I got your audio sent over, and there's, uh, at the end of the show, the guys export their audio and they send it over to me uh, on Dropbox, and um, I don't usually check it till Tuesday before I start editing because I'm usually asleep by the time that I get that. Um, so I loaded up the audio, listened to it. It was insane. Like, it was so poor. And, I mean, you are the worst for sending poor audio. Usually it's either too quiet or there's too much background noise or there's all sorts of shit going on on your file. It's a fucking nightmare. Sean's is pretty good. Matt's is pretty good. Although, Matt, last week, he kept hitting the mute button. Anyway, you don't need to know that bit. What you need to know is that no, that audio... A little bit of a dig, don't you, about that again? That Even aud- though that's not fair, because the last time this happened, it was Sean with his bells. 
Okay. Yeah, and you know, I said I expected more better from him, right? He, you know, that was bad. My dog was having a fucking dinner. Okay. I'll tell you what Sean didn't do, though. Didn't blame me. Okay, right. So <laughs> I text you and said, James, did you use your inline microphone on your headphones by accident? Did you set that? And you went, nope, definitely not. I said, right, because there's a familiar sound where the mic brushes against your tit and it makes this sort of rustling sound. And that was coming up on the on the audio. It was fucking infuriating, right? So I said, D- are you sure you didn't? No, no, I didn't. So then I did, but Matt had texted me and said, oh, there's this weird bit where James is like unzipping stuff and he's he's telling his wife that he's on mute so he can't talk right now and stuff like that. So I said... <laughs> How did you mute your microphone? Well, I've got this software that mutes my USB mic. And were you clicking that? Yes. So you were using your inline mic. So you thought you were you were muting the wrong mic. That's what happened. That was the That's problem. That's possibly what happened. That's yeah. why the audio was shit. That's why we could hear you when you thought you'd muted your mic. And um, yeah, that's your fault. Yeah, okay. Here's no wall. I'm not let done. Wall there. This has changed. Wall tiger. Let's all calm down. Let me get my second point out, then we can hand it back over to you, right? Before we start recording, and when we're recording our own sides, I always say, have you done a test? And you go, yep. And last week, I just had this fucking weird feeling, and I don't know if you remember, Sean, but I literally went, James, have you done a test recording? Yes, yeah, I've done a test recording. I did it before the show. And then I made a joke, that means he hasn't done it. And we continued, right? Turns out I was fucking right. No, I did do it. That's complete nonsense. So you did and it, it and fine. you didn't pick and up fact, it was on the wrong mic. I was talking to Matt about this during the week as well, and he said that I sounded fine throughout the whole show. Yeah, you so... did. You sounded fine throughout the whole show over Skype because Skype was picking up your USB mic. Audacity wasn't. That's you sounded true. totally fine on the Skype. <laughs> you found you sounded totally fine on the Skype. So we wouldn't have known. And and when you were talking to your wife going I'm on mute. I can't talk. I've got to be quiet. I'm reading the questions. We couldn't hear that. There was no need to whisper. It was on mute. (laughs) We we couldn't hear that. But Audacity was picking up your your mic on your headphones. So, right. So here's the situation. I can't spend two and a half hours babysitting what you record, right? I can't do that. I haven't got the time for that, right? So we've got two options here. If you edit the podcast, which we all know is not going to happen, right? Because it would be a fucking nightmare. Or you just hold your hands up and go, yeah, fucked up. Sorry, Dave. What are we going to do? No, okay. What are we going to do, James? How are we no, going let's, forward? Let's, no, let me... Let me How are we moving forward this, from right? this, James? Come on. I had to move to a different room, right? Okay. To do, we to go. do recording. Yeah. Because at the moment, I mean, I've come back to where I normally record because of this, right? This is how dedicated I am. <laughs> I'm in a garage. It's freezing out here. I'm right? in a garage. So, Last last week, I just thought, okay, I'll go into the house. It'd be a bit warmer. It won't be, you know, it won't be so bad. I'm in a but garage then... now, David. <laughs> <laughs> but then this happened, and so I'm, I'm back out here again. It's freezing, but it's it's that's okay. And you could have checked that. I mean, that was like a basic thing. It was it was really a basic. Yeah, thing. yeah. In two and a half hours of audio you sent over, I should have found those ten seconds where you were where you totally fucked it. So, so are you telling me though you don't listen back to the whole show? No, of course I don't. I, I no, I tell you what I do. I listen back to the Skype recording at work the next day because I, I haven't got the time to convert all the audio, put it all together and export it in time for work the next day. 
and then I edit the po- and then I you know if I hear something that needs editing out I just do a little timestamp and then I do it the next day but if you're going to fuck around with having two microphones running at the same time recording two different bits of the audio I'm not going to pick up on that you stupid fuck that's why I say check do, just do a test recording just do a I test did. recording it was just a tiny mistake but I still think Sorry. it's still ridiculous I mean if you this think recently work. About how many mistakes there's been recently, yeah, and that have, could have been caught in editing, but they haven't been. Yeah, that's true. I think Sean should do it. What's I, happened? I don't think you should. Look, do it Sean's anymore. got it, Sean. It would fill it with Midnight Resistance style music. That I, I can't be having that on my show, right? <laughs> Listen, when I fuck up, like I did with you know not picking up certain bits in the editing, blah blah blah. I've held my hand up and said, "Sorry, mate. Sorry, lads. I fucked up." Yeah, that was my bad, right? When you do it, you go, oh, I'm in a garage now. So I'm in a garage. So that's all right then, isn't it? I fucked up last week. I didn't check my recording. I'm in a garage now, so it's all right. Just, James, get your shit together. Just do your test recording. That's all you need to do. Please, please do your test recording and test it. Listen to it back. Make sure you're not speaking through a fucking mic attached to your chest. Please. All right. Thanks. Um, we also had an email. Uh, do you want to read this out, James? Yeah, okay. Okay, so anyway, it says, uh, <laughs> Hi, lads. I'm following up on last week's show with a note to say I was the one who commented on your PSVR YouTube video, remarking about the girth of some of the podcast members. While I'm glad that James took it in the spirit that it was meant, <laughs> I do realise that I was out of order and would like to apologise. Sean was right when he said listeners haven't the right to take the piss. They aren't his mate. Sean, defense, you sound like such a cunt there, go on. <laughs> in our defence, some of us have been listening to you all since the early days of Joypod, and we have a sort of bond with you which makes us feel like we can carry on like mates. We aren't bad people, we just get carried away, and our inner little David Turner pops out from time to time. Anyway, it was uncalled for, and last week's show has given me pause for thought. I will try to engage brain before mouth in the future. Your loyal listener, Riv. Sean. Man, you see what you've done now? You've attacked... Our listen, my listeners, my fans, <laughs> and fact. and you've upset them. So what? I mean, listen, Riv, don't get upset, mate. It's only Sean. Honestly, that's what you got to say to yourself. You've upset Sean. Sean lashed out last week, quite embarrassingly, <laughs> I thought. And lashed out. <laughs> it's only Sean. Don't worry about it. It's he's not important. He's he's nothing. <laughs> Sean, comment. Um. Apology accepted, obviously. Much appreciated. <laughs> uh, oh, that sounds really uh, twatty, doesn't it? Yeah, it uh, does. No, like, it is genuinely... Like, like, knowing what the internet is like, the fact that that's like the worst quote-unquote abuse we've had and we mentioned it and we got an apology is actually pretty amazing. So, um, no, I, I appreciate him sending that email, even though I feel terrible now, obviously. I know, it depends, because maybe, maybe Matt deleted other comments that we just never saw. That's Shit, true. What maybe if Matt wrote, us from the worst. What if Matt wrote that email? possible actually he's yeah. got form yeah <laughs> he has he has he has impersonated people before for reviews have you, have you searched for the email address on google and see if anything else comes up yeah do a, do a proper catfish on him yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's turn up at his house someone um, get an eve on the phone you need to sort <laughs> oh, this out fucking hell can't be dealing with that man in, in, in my life um okay this one john this is for you uh we're moving on to news now <laughs> it's just, just a nice little transition. Um, this one's for you, John, because I'm interested in your take on this. Um, okay, sure. So Bethesda last week uh, announced that 
the game and press will only be getting review code a day before release date. Um, they'll be focusing more on what did how did they word it? Influence, influence, Influ- influences, <laughs> influences, yeah. influences on YouTube and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's where they want to be sending the uh, sort of early copies of the game to. Um, I'm flip flopping on this like a motherfucker. And now, as someone who's worked in the industry for many years uh, and still write, writes review for big sites and stuff, like, what was your take on this? So I think what they actually said is that they what they said is that they wanted to keep everybody playing at the same time, so they're only going to send it out day early. But that wasn't true because they were sending it out to the YouTubers like a month in advance. Yeah, that's right. So they yeah. could produce probably paid for content. Mm. Um, that's quite common uh, among the the influencer sphere. And yeah, I mean, I think in some ways, if, if by some sort of magic that we can start to see a separation between these guys on YouTube who are kind of doing a completely different thing and uh, talking almost like this sort of half advertorials about games or just focusing on one or two games and just being a personality. It's not really the same as being a part of the media. Mm. And if that starts to separate naturally through things like this, then I don't think what Bethesda has done is a problem. I, what I do say is what they said. You can't just lie like that and just pretend that people aren't seeing these videos that have got... 500,000 plus views so that was just a really really bad decision internally and I'm sure someone got a lot of shit for doing that um fundamentally nobody has to send their games to anybody so I mean it's kind of anti-consumer to not be able to give punters a chance to have people they trust take a look at the product and and say what they think before it comes out but at the same time there's no you know they 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 don't need to do that they don't have to do that so in that respect, I'm I'm okay with it. And I think websites like Eurogamer and some of the ones that are able to do this because they don't have to be chasing hits constantly are able to now be a little more diligent with their reviews and take a bit more time. Yeah, for example, the one I just did for them didn't need to be there for embargo. Um, they wanted to make sure the servers were up and things like that. So and I think that's a good thing as well. So I think it's just a sort of... An, causing a sort of slight shift in the whole culture and if it does move away from always having to chase that embargo chase those hits uh, day one it kind of goes back to how it was in the print days and things can be looked at a little better but of course there is this this issue with the the influencers yeah but it's trying to pretend like you're doing it out of some noble cause so everybody yeah. all the reviewers can play at the same time as the as the public but then giving copies to to people like like I say more than likely paying for the videos which is kind of that's a different argument entirely but you can't it was just a really really poor terrible press release the 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 sort of thought process behind the decision I don't have a massive issue with it's not great but it has its positives as well and the silver linings but terrible press release I think that's probably my final thought on that one yeah real bad mistake yeah I mean I can see what they I can see what you're saying. I think people within the industry see these sort of YouTubers and everything as as more marketing than anything else. But well, well, certainly more as a way to market their game than than the audience see it as. You know, like mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people that think that these YouTube videos and stuff like that are, are on par with like games reviews and stuff. And it's like not that that's marketing. This is uh, critical reception. There's a there's like a line there. Maybe m- maybe the majority of the people don't really see that as a definitive line between the two. Um, what I'm what I'm sort of not clear on is whether it is anti-consumer to hold back reviews until the game's out. 
because the consumer has always got the option to wait until the reviews come out. Like well, this yeah, is the I mean, thing in it. Like ideal world, people would wait, but they don't. Is that a problem with just games, or of... is that a problem with other types of media? With you know, say films, for example. I know. I mean, I mean, I've never been in that culture with going to see films on day one. But is that as big a mm. thing as it is to own a game on day one? I, I, I think, think it is. But then you mm, also get mm. that whole thing where. You know, sometimes they don't do press screenings, do they? You know, for those for films, if they think yeah. they're going to do really badly, mm. and they're like, "Yeah, we don't want the public to know about it," and you know, maybe people will go. Mm. I just it, that's the thing that I'm not to, like. I flip flop right because when we were doing Joypod a few years ago, I would be like dead against this and kicking off about it and ranting and raving and stuff. But now I I'm not so sure. I've I've kind of. You know, I kind of resent the fact that we're all sitting in this sort of same boat of having to own games day one or ordering from certain places because they might send it out a day early or whatever. And I'm de- I definitely feel that way. Like, there's, I'm not going to lie and say, no, nah, I'm cool. I'll just wait a week. If a game's a day late or so, I'll go fucking mental. But um, at the same time, I kind of resent that we're like that because now we've got this sort of attitude where, you know, well, we've got to get reviews, you know, before the game comes out. And I kind of think, like, do we? Is it, is it, are we like sort of making, making our own, own bed and shitting in it? Like, I don't, you know, we, we've got this idea in our head that we have to own the game straight away. And now we're saying, well, we demand the reviews before that release date as well. I don't know. It's yeah, weird. But, not, but it's not like, like, I, I don't care when the review comes out because I will wait. Yeah. Um, if, if I have to. Um, but it's not. It's not me that I'm worried about. It's all the other. It's people who aren't like who don't have the patience. Like, like I, I think this, this like moves like this prey on people like that who are just impatient and are obsessed. Like, you know, like, video games for a while have had this whole this weird issue with like fetishized access to things. It's like you, you're pre-ordering a game just to get access to the beta, and it's like you fucking mental. Like that's <laughs> like that's a demo. That is a promotional tool. They should be fucking forcing it on you. They shouldn't. You know, it's just really weird. Like everyone wants to get things early, or I don't know. I just find it really weird. Again, this is still people choosing to do that though. Like no one's forcing anyone to do this. Like, yeah, but because like, but I mean, it's still a cynical move from Bethesda because they know that they know that that's what people are like and they're taking advantage of it. So you, to play yeah, devil's advocate for, for a second, sorry, yeah. mm. sorry, Dave, just for just two points. One, um, it would be really interesting to know what Bethesda's actual thought process is here because they've mm. said it what it is in this press release, but it's, it's clearly not that. So, I mean, this isn't like these are bad games or they're games that they should be shielding from the press. The yeah. first one was Doom. Mm widely considered one of the best shooters of the year the next one is the skyrim remaster so i don't know unless that game is broken i haven't read anything about it i'm assuming given that it's skyrim it's going to be pretty good and the one after that's dishonored too now that might be terrible but given the given the first game given the you know the pedigree probably not so to play devil's advocate i mean are they just bored of how i mean game reviews in the last few years have I mean, they're kind of going out to a lot of a much broader uh, range of sources than they used to. And it's kind of difficult. It's one thing trusting people and wanting to control a narrative so you get a certain range of scores and that, that's kind of dirty. But at the same time, if I'm spending however many millions of dollars on a on a project for budgets and then marketing, and then am I going to risk giving it to a bunch of kids who don't who don't have the 
not the training because the training is the one word but you know a bunch of kids who are writing for free and they don't know and they don't really care i mean that's a risk uh, with, with these projects to to put it out there like that i mean just playing devil's advocate i don't necessarily actually think like this i mean but, I, I think this kind of looks like they don't really care about press anymore and they consider that probably looking at like whatever you know sort of data they've got that youtube and stuff you know the influencers that were on there are the people that are helping them more with that and because it's it's not just it's not like all people on youtube either is it like they've they've selected people that they've like chosen well that's because that's the marketing isn't it that's not they're not looking for a critical reception almost certainly i don't know for sure but they would have paid them for those videos just because i know that's that is what happens yeah Um, and this is even more control i think one of the one of the reasons because i've been thinking about this this week and one of the reasons i can i would kind of understand is that um maybe having a two-wave uh, to like to if you if you release everything early to the press and YouTube, you know let's just refer to them as YouTube. Like yeah, it's an easier way of doing it. Um, then the embargo lifts. Everyone gets their content up on the same day at the same around the same time, and then that sort of blows over, and then it, you move on. If they stagger it like this, so the reviews come out over the next like couple of weeks after launch or or week or so after launch. Maybe the idea is that that might generate enough press to sort of um, eke out the sales a little bit longer because we know how how quickly sales drop after launch date, right? So mm. maybe that's the thought process. Well, I think it's yeah, we control the narrative beforehand to drive pre-orders through paid-for content on YouTube through people they know are going to be positive about the game who appeal to a slightly dumb is the wrong word, but let's just say younger <laughs> uh, demographic who are a bit more trusting. And um, yeah, drive pre-orders that way, and then let the press add it the day beforehand, like you say, to to generate that buzz at launch, and then a little bit after launch as well. I think that's the strategy. Yeah. But unfortunately, we live in a world where they can't come out and say that. No, <laughs> because no. I, I would yeah. like it if they came out and said that. I'd be like, mm, that's fine, because I can <laughs> I can I can detach myself enough from it anyway to go. Mm. Well, I'll make my decision on the game as and when, based on people I trust, or, or whether I just want to buy it anyway. But Everyone would just jump down their throats. They'd got their throats jumped down anyway because they fucked up. But you know, so, you you can't really say anything anymore. We can't say anything. So they're mm-hmm. best off. They're probably it's, best off not saying anything. Um, John, I got I got a question. You, sure. you said that um that these people that like these influencers are probably being paid like for for this content, like to create yeah. these videos and stuff. Are they under any obligation to tell people they're being paid to do this? I like, think they have to now put it in the description. So they didn't used mm-hmm. to. And the laws changed. Uh, they don't have to be hugely upfront about it. Certainly in print, you'd have seen it was said advertorial at the top of the page. I'm sure you remember mm-hmm. seeing those in mags. It still happens. But um, now I just think it needs to be in the YouTube video description that it's been um, sponsored by or however. If you look at some of the videos around Battlefield 1 at the moment, you'll see, and most of them are completely non-cynical. They're like uh, almost tutorial videos done by uh, popular content creators and they're just like how to do this or what guns to look out for nothing bad at all but it's like through the ea ronku i think it's called partner program which means it's paid for content in that respect so that kind of stuff is fine anyway like mm-hmm. it just makes sense for the publisher to do it but yeah there is because if you're 14 and you're not really thinking about the way the world works and you see that there's without it being too obvious that it's an ad or an extension of an ad yeah, it's still. A, I'm sure it will change again before long, and it'll get uh, a bit stricter. The, mm-hmm. the video that interests me about this was um, video gamers' uh, response to it. Did you did you see that? 
Um, I no, I didn't. They put up a video, and um, it was basically one of their um, staff members saying about how stupid Bethesda are doing, and um, uh, that, like how stupid this whole thing is, and what what are they doing, and don't they know that you know good reviews will give them you know turn their their readership into customers for them, and this that and the other, and I think I just I was listening to that, and I just kind of thought, well, actually, I, I'm pretty sure that they're the ones with the numbers and know what. Yeah. makes them the money, you know? And exactly. as sad as this is, maybe games reviews, just they just don't influence enough people anymore to justify sending out games and, you know, risking um, getting bad reviews and getting bad press over a game. Um, because as... Uh, what was it? There was a uh, a game that came out where they were really surprised. I think it was Doom. And they were really surprised by the reception. And they said they knew... They thought it was a good game, but they had no idea that if they were just living in their bubble between themselves, and if the game finally come out, it, it might have actually just been shit, and, but they'd sort of fallen in love with their own creation and not realised the problems with it. Um, so there's always going to be a risk of releasing a game to the press um, that is going to get absolutely trashed and harm sales. Um, so maybe they're just thinking, well, the risk of that, compared to like if it's a good game, they're not actually going to... Re- influence a lot of people because the people that read these sites are already well aware that the game exists um, mm-hmm. it's not like they chances are they've made their mind up of whether they're going to buy it or not um, and I think maybe this is just a really horrible reality that you know games reviews they, they're, they're not the the big thing that they used to be which they're is definitely not the be all and end all yeah and I'm obviously the same way as you but I, you're completely right they definitely have metrics that they're working with and if that's the way that they see it there must be i mean doom was a bit riskier but if they're still sticking ahead with it for these two games that are coming out now in skyrim and dishonored 2 sorry there must be good reasons by I mean that's why i say i'd be fascinated to know the actual reason sort of the boredom level reason for doing this and how important these game reviews are because there's no way that they're not important at all we're getting like a high metacritic and having you know, yeah. owning the internet basically for that day and getting loads of 8.5s plus uh, yeah, five star reviews or whatever. I mean, that's still going to generate a lot of buzz and a lot of traffic towards your game, I'm sure. But is it worth is it worth that risk? I guess not. Yeah, I just kind of want to know the real answer because I do find it interesting. Yeah, I mean, they're not just going to make these sort of decisions um, yeah. based on nothing. I mean, they, they, you forget that how many millions and millions of dollars are piled into creating these yeah. things. And, you know, those people that put those millions and millions of dollars into it want some return. Like, mm. they, they ain't a charity, so... Yeah, they... I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, we could be looking at this is a company making a decision that's going to keep all these people they employ employed because they're mitigating risk in a certain way and, you know, all of these studios that they own and all these people working in the accounts department and stuff like that. When you look at it that side, it, it becomes a little less cynical. They're just trying to make money for the right reasons in that way again i'm just playing devil's advocate again but there's always more it does it is annoying exactly like you say to listen to someone go do they not know this and it's like sometimes companies can be dumb for sure but jesus christ i mean these are these are people making a lot of money and making smart decisions all the time i'm pretty sure they've considered that 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 particular notion that game reviews might generate sales I do um I do still have this sort of side of me though that gets angry at stuff like this and um more than anything else it's at the fact that it, it's the fact that say 99% of gamers 
were genuinely angry about this and thought that this was a, a horrible thing, very anti-consumer and so on, there's, they're still not going to get together and do anything about it. You know, people say vote with your wallets and stuff and it just won't happen because no, at the end of the day... They'll send a tweet is, and then they'll go back to doing whatever the fuck they're doing before. They'll go back to pre-ordering that game because yeah. that's what they do. They want to be there day one and stuff. It's like, yeah... Weird. All right. Well, that's. I think we've pretty much summed that up. Put the world to rights with that one. Um, who put this um, market reaction to the switch down? I thought you'd love this, Dave. This is why I put it in. Right. This is the. Um, we've already established is... that Dave doesn't work in a market, James. Yep. <laughs> There's no market involved in my work, son. What? What, what is this, James? Okay. So this is talking about how after the switch announcement, like Nintendo's market share went down, like down seven point three percent. Yeah. Why the, is that? The share, the shares dropped seven point three percent. James, is the, have you got anything to to comment on this? Have you? Ju- you just... Yeah, because I thought no, because I thought this would be interesting to talk about because it's like so you're why? like Rain like, Man why... with this stuff. You know that. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's no, like this about this, right? No, <laughs> no opinion. Have, it's no, just no, the shares went down seven percent. Who's on first base? Week, last week we had a massive discussion about the switch and about like you know what we thought about it and everything. But there was a lot of stuff we didn't talk about when, and more details have come out since. And one of the reasons maybe why the shares have dropped is because of some of the details that have come out like since, you know, sort of giving some more information about it that we didn't discuss. Maybe they I all mean, heard the fact that you said it was basically just the Wii U again. And then, uh, and, and, and that's what made the market share drop. What do you, what do you think? Was it all what? you, James? Was it all your opinion what's, driving what's the market? What's the point in even talking about it? Like you won't, you won't even talk about anything because it doesn't agree with your viewpoint. I said the shares had dropped, and you were like, "What?" And you're like, kind of surprised because it's like not what you expected because you I was, think it's brilliant. I was, I was surprised. Yeah, I was. Well, not even that. I think it's brilliant. They've announced a new console. Surely the, you know, usually when that shit happens, the the shares and shit go up. But yeah, so what do you think? Why could that be? Wouldn't that be interesting to think about? Yeah, go on then. So you're saying it's because of the information that's come out since. I'm saying yeah, it could be a possible reason because there's been there's been a number of things that come out like there's like three hour battery life is one of them, and then the other day it's turned out that it's only got four gig of RAM, which is like half the Xbox One and PS4, and also the cartridges are only going to be sixteen gig apparently in size, which is a lot less than a Blu-ray. Right, and I mean, what what does that sort of mean for third party stuff? Because you know, is stuff going to get ported and you know that kind of thing to it? Yeah, I mean, we're not. There's, there's always that th- fear that, and there's always that frustration with Nintendo third-party games, where it's like, you know, just taking FIFA for an example. Yeah, now it doesn't really affect me. I know that because I own a Xbox One and a, a PS4, so I'm going to be playing these games on there anyway. But it's always bugged me about Nintendo third-party stuff, where you're, you're not playing the new FIFA. You're playing a ported sort of crap version of the new fifa and people notice that shit they get frustrated with it and when sales go down that'll be it like the third party companies will jump ship and and that's nintendo on their own again you know what i mean and they they need third party support for this system there's no there's no doubt about it it was one of the major problems with the wii u um i just don't i i'd be very surprised if that was the reason why the shares went down it seems a bit weird I don't. I, I don't think the market are focusing on how many gigs of RAM that the 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 Switch no, has I mean, got. I think it's probably because they didn't. I know you're going to go mental about this, but it's <laughs> because they didn't. No, it's because they didn't really show anything like magically new. Do you know what I mean? 
It's like nice. it was what everyone expected it was going to be, and yeah, it wasn't like anything that looked amazing. If you sort of mean, Sean, I fucking I don't know stock prices. I I, I mean the, the the fucking the guy who actually <laughs> runs Nintendo literally says I don't really see any point in discussing this. Why are we doing it? <laughs> yeah, but he he would say that. But then if you look at because he's he's not going to say. Oh yeah, this is you know this is really terrible. I'm really worried about my company and everything. But this does matter because if you know this doesn't do really well, what's going to happen to Nintendo? Like it does matter that people do care about this, about like you know that whether it's going to be a success or not. I don't know. I just I I couldn't. I don't even know how stock prices are figured out. Um, so to me, it just seems like way premature to even worry about something like this. Like, wait until the fucking thing's been out for 12 months. And how many See, have shifted? It feels like, a lot like the Wii U. It feels like the same kind of thing where, like, when that came out and people started saying, okay, it's, um, you know, third parties, you know, maybe they're not going to support it, whatever. And everyone's like, it's fine. It'll be a Nintendo machine. Yeah, you know, I just, I just want it to play Nintendo games. And it's like, yeah, that didn't work out so well. And it's... That's what concerns me about this. Well, is I know, that. but I don't know how you can link share prices to the success of the next Nintendo console, especially at this stage. I don't. I just don't see it. No, I'm not. It, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying that. Okay, the share price going down means that it's going to be a failure because obviously that there's not a correlation there. But what I'm saying is it like. Don't you find it interesting, like why it is that the market reacted this way? You know, well, it to could, it, I mean, the it, new machine. Th- that's the thing, though. It could be anything. It could be the fact that they've realised that it's a new portable console. So sales of the free, if if word gets out that this is a new Nintendo portable console, sales of the uh, 3DS won't be strong for the next few months. You know, well, exactly. Yeah, it could just be that, like, well, everyone knows that's coming, but it's not. You know, it's not for another five six months so yeah they're not they're going to do fuck all and, and that would explain time, why nintendo released that press release or or did that interview was it yesterday where they were saying no nah, the 3ds is going to be fine it's mm. still going strong we're not getting rid of it you know that could be a rea- reaction to we I, I just i just think it's a bit i just don't know how you can link the two together without having a little bit of knowledge <laughs> you know what I mean? Without, like, I don't know. I just don't trust that that's the reason. There's so many reasons why share prices go up and down. The I know, it's like, it the... you know, during that like iPhone event where they un- unveiled like that Mario game and the share price like spiked, like mm. it went up really high. Yeah. There's clearly like a, a reason for that because people were excited about that. Yeah, but that's a known reason. I don't, I don't think that this is a particularly known reason. I mean, but John, what do you think? Think about the share about prices. Not, yeah, I mean, I got a, the, the noises Sean made at the beginning when he was just saying his piece <laughs> with the exact noises I want to make. I just don't. <laughs> I'm not someone who I can't knee jerk. I just have to like let things. I, yeah, I'm just making the same noises Sean made. I don't, I don't know. I was just let's just fucking play. I don't care. <laughs> so, I don't know. Sorry. So James, is that your bit over? Is that your? Yeah, over? yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's. <laughs> I feel bad now. <laughs> Absolutely torn to pieces. It was funny though, because um, we did miss a fuckload of stuff when we were talking about the Switch last week. Um, you know, people have been talking a lot about the fact that there's no D-pad on the on the main controller, and whether that's an issue or not. For any other console, I'd have thought, no, that's not an issue. For a Nintendo console, maybe because. Like, Hang on, wait, wait, wait. what do you mean, no D-pad? You mean? It's got no D-pad. So the, what, is the D-pad like four separate buttons? Yeah. Okay. It's really weird. I, I, how, how did I not say... Like, I can't believe I didn't see that. Well, which, which I mean, makes... look at a... 
PlayStation controller. That that D pad and that's four separate buttons, isn't it? Well, yeah, but it's still and and because I've got it right here with me, it's the same on the on live controller, David. So <laughs> yeah, but these are actual physical, like these are round buttons in the same with the same sort of space in between them as you would have on the right hand side of your um, mm-hmm. your DualShock and stuff like that. Take a look at it; it's weird. Um, I mean, it's understandable if you want to use the two separate. Uh, bits as you know separate controllers you need buttons and yeah. a stick um yeah, yeah, yeah. You, know, you know i get it but it, it, it was kind of like i i'm genuinely not worried about it but it is kind of a strange decision and um uh yeah who, who cares let's just wait until we buy it it doesn't matter <laughs> who cares oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you, you got me right okay let's go through what we've been playing this week and um we'll start with our guest john yeah, um, so I've been playing a lot of Titanfall 2. So have I. Um, so I guess I'll start with that one, right? Yeah, do that. So I actually had the opportunity to play Titanfall 2's campaign about three or maybe even four weeks ago uh, at a review event and then multiplayer afterwards. Can I say um, this about John Denton as well? He let us know that he was playing this game. I texted him, asked him what it was like, and he stood by the embargo. The private text between two nice. friends stood by it, so can't really say anything, mate. I was like, fuck, I understand, but I'm really angry at you. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to, haven't you? Well, if you sign shit, yeah, you have. Yeah, because yeah. not only that, I'm not exactly yeah. a quiet bloke, am I? That'd be tweeted straight away. I'd be periscoping yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I was going to say you'd vine it, but yeah. Yeah, I can't do um, that no more. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm sure everybody knows what the game is—the sequel to the FPS with robot, giant robots, and men running around from Respawn, who are basically the people that made Call of Duty. And what was, um, and then moved across. Uh, everybody knows the story. So what was really interesting at the beginning of this review event was um, they sat us down, and I've sat in a million of these things before, whether it's a review event or pre-release event or whatever, and they do a presentation. Anybody in any job does it. And it's always boring. I don't care what any presentation has to say most of the time. However, this time, the guys from Respawn who came over, uh, they just stood at the front, and there's one guy who's like the COO of the company, kind of charismatic guy, but your classic presenter, marketer type that uh, you just instantly switch off. So he spoke for a minute, and then they handed over to um, this other guy called Mackie, who is the lead designer for the campaign. And he just gave this really like kind of calm, um, really impassioned speech for about 10 minutes about the studio's history, about how they came from uh, creating Medal of Honor and many, you know, however many years ago, then moving across and creating Call of Duty and Call of Duty 2 and uh, then how how it was to work on Modern Warfare and the different levels there and the, the multiplayer and stuff and how all of that sort of culminated in them trying to create this campaign for Titanfall 2. And it was just a really fascinating listen to... to I didn't... Even though I knew that all these were all the people from Infinity Ward, I didn't realise that it was literally pretty much everybody from regular level designer upwards had moved across so it's anybody who was working on these games the whole team has been together for years and years and years and going into playing the campaign with that information kind of added an extra layer almost to uh to kind of the meaning behind it to uh, and it kind of yeah it just gave an extra layer of um gravitas to it which is kind of silly because it's a it's a game about silly big robot and the little man who runs around shooting things. I mean, it's not, it's nothing to take too seriously, but at the same time, these are people, very creative people who really care about um, what they're trying to make. 
and then you just play that campaign and it's only about five hours long but goodness i mean i don't know if people have read the my review on eurogamer and there's been plenty of other reviews that said very similar things to me but if i've played a bit of fps campaign in the last five or six years longer than that then i can't remember i mean just this like litany of ideas one after another um uh, a friend of ours chet rover said it's almost like the developers refuse to let you be bored and i couldn't agree with him more it's uh, just yeah, constant ideas. I don't really want to go into what the specifics are. I did, I've done a few bits of content on this game now, and I really think it's better if you can go in and discover yourself. And that's difficult because you want to talk about some of the mechanics and, and some of the exciting things that it does. But to do so, if I'd had those told to me beforehand, it would have been a real shame, I think. So I kind of don't want to do that to anybody else. But their influences and they talk quite openly about them were Half-Life 2 that's the game that they love the most obviously there's a lot of COD in there um, those kind of the base level of the, the way the shooting works and things like that and then the more you you know there's definitely some Doom some Halo um, there's so many uh, there's so many uh, singularity yeah, I was say, the, yeah well okay, I was uh, going to say that but that, that was kind of what I didn't want to say but why? because uh, like I said I just don't think anything uh, I love the fact that I knew nothing I was expecting a real kind of rope cod with a robot and i thought this will be fun before multiplayer tomorrow at the review event i was not expecting i i said in a in a video that i made about this game that it kind of reminded me of a nintendo game more like a mario game you know it's just picking up an idea running with it for as long as it's exciting and then just dropping it again and there's i mean when's the last time you played an fps campaign that felt like that <laughs> it's nuts like yeah. I, I i was gonna say to sean um because i know the sort of first person shooter games you like um there's you know you've got the top tier AAA games and then you've got the sort of slightly below that first person shooter games mm. and what you find is that they they might not be as solid with the spectacle and the um and all that sort of stuff but they've got a neat idea in them that makes mm. them actually i prefer you know bringing it back a little bit and focusing on that neat idea this feels like about seven of those with the polish of the AAA game as yeah. well. Like it, <laughs> said, yeah. it, it's, it's like each level is like one of those, you know, slightly not as uh, big budget games, but then it's got the shine over the top of it. It's fucking insane. Like, I, I'm right at the very end, like literally on the last tiny bit. I think it might just be the last cutscene. I had to pause it before we started recording. And I said to John today there's this thing that John talks about that happens in the game and um, he said oh there's there's a lot of cool things that happen but there's one thing that really stuck out for me like there's one part of the game that really stuck out and I had to question what that was because for me there was about four or five things and when he told me what he was thinking I then said yeah yeah that was probably the best bit in the game but also what about this bit and that Mm. bit and that bit and it was like fuck you can't like when I play a first person shooter and I get to the end, I usually think that was really good. I really liked that bit. That was probably the best bit. This had so many peaks in it that I was kind of like, I, I didn't know where to start. Like I want to talk about this game at length, but like John, I don't want to spoil it. And there's some stuff in it that, that is, um, that you would expect from a, a Titanfall single player game campaign. I think I can probably say, that there's a big bit where you're there are loads of titans in it <laughs> and you're all <laughs> battling um a bunch of titans alongside a bunch of titans you know that's the sort of shit you would expect from this but it does it so well like that that section 
where where it's like okay this is the bit you all expect from a titanfall single player campaign is fucking phenomenal because i don't know if it's the gap that they lead like the the build up to it that that works or the fact that it doesn't drop a frame when all this shit is yeah. going on at the same time like it just feels like properly solid um or or even the fact that the moment it ends it follows it up with an even better bit of the game yeah, like it's, it's true just, i i can't I was blown mm. away and I was, my expectations were really high because a lot of my friends had played it before me and, um, hearing them rave about it sort of, I, I sort of went into it. You know, that whole, cause the whole first, I'd say half an hour, 45 minutes, it's relatively slow, isn't it? Yeah. And it starts off, it started off as the game where I thought it was going to be some uh, sort of cod with a robot friend yeah. and some wall running. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm down. This is good. But yeah, I wasn't expecting it to go where it went at all. <laughs> it's mad. It's totally mad. Um, I, I mean, I yeah, totally blown away. And it, mm-hmm. as as everyone has said who have spoken to that finished it, I can't wait to do it again at some point. Like it'll it'll probably be New Year now, but I'm definitely going through that again. I'm but yeah, I am as well. Yeah. You, so uh, what I'm saying my, to summarize that bit where I was explaining what the game was like, you have to play this. Like you have no, to no, play. I know. I I fucking need it. It's just. Uh, money at the moment we just had the fucking roof repaired mate so i'm cleaned out yeah have a word. But yeah probably christmas if everyone's still on it <laughs> you're gonna um put together a amazon wish list for our listeners yeah. John. <laughs> it's just time for on it um yeah right so that's the single player mm-hmm. how much of the multiplayer have you done oh, i just wanted to say one more thing about oh single sorry player. i knew there's something i wanted to say so there's one level in it which I think I can talk a bit more about. Um, uh, it was one of the best levels in the game, but it's, it's not something I, I think you're spoiling too much. Where you're basically just trying to move across a bunch of movable platforms to get to a giant satellite dish at the end. Doesn't sound that interesting, but the way it's designed is incredible. And I was talking to, we were lucky enough to be able to have dinner with this guy, Mackie, afterwards, um, the, the lead designer of the campaign. I was talking to him about that level, and he was like, oh, yeah, that level, along with a couple of others. Um, yeah, that was designed by the guy that designed And he was like, do you remember All Gillied Up? Have you heard of that level? And I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was... Yeah, the guy that designed that level actually designed, like, two or three of Titanfall 2's best levels. Like, completely, it's all him. And, yeah, it's it's just amazing to see that through line from there. So I'm so, terrible, yeah, I'm terrible with titles and names and stuff. So what, what, All Gillied Up was from Modern Warfare? Modern Warfare, where you're in the ghillie suits and you're sneaking through with the, right, guy, yeah, you gotcha, know, the yeah. famous level in that. Yeah. yeah, you end up in the fairground. Yeah, yeah, like the classic, the yeah, classic that, Modern Warfare level. That was quality. And mad, isn't it? Same dude. Yeah, <laughs> Just banging them out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fire. Yeah, that was that really reminded me of uh, a level in. This is again, this is one of those games where you're just like, yeah, because it totally does feel like Halo, uh, Halo in points and and um, Half Life Two at, at points. It feels like, you know, all these games. And yeah, that level totally screamed, um, you know, new Tomb Raider to me for some reason. I think there was a um, a level in Rise of the Tomb Raider that, uh, yeah, the the fact that you're just heading to a goal but you feel like you can go anywhere to get there mm-hmm. um and it just get it just gets better and better it oh, just fucking is stupid it's stupid it didn't need yeah. to be this good like it it could have got away with just being cod with robots in it but it's yeah. it, it i think like it, especially considering you know when they said they were going to do a campaign like a lot of people were kicking off yeah, and like the game doesn't need it and yeah. and you know maybe they're right but 
the fact that they've done it and done it as well as they have is pretty fucking mm-hmm. cool. Right, okay. Like so... They could have half-assed it, and it could have just been something to stick on the box and just be like, look, yeah, it's got a campaign if that will help shift another few copies. Yeah, but exactly. no, actually, it sounds like they've actually put real thought into it. But that's good. that's never been... That's never been their their sort of style, is it? I mean, you look yeah. at how much effort they put into Titanfall, and you know the sort of narrative on the internet is, well, no one played it after a week, and that's not true. Um, mm. You know, you could still get lots of games on Titanfall. I played it f- for fucking ages after release, and I'm yeah, still I played it about um, three weeks ago after the after playing Titanfall two, and there was still plenty of people to have a game. You couldn't play across all the modes, but yeah. you know, you I mean, I know the the audience on the PC dropped right off yeah. but i you know in no way was that the game's fault that's <laughs> no that's and they didn't they didn't stop at, they didn't stop putting everything they had into it you know yeah. it was constantly improved there were new game modes that most other developers would have charged for and um as dlc or a season pass or whatever and there was just so much love put into that game that um uh, it's no surprising that they they took pride in putting this single player together rather than just fobbed it off as some sort of mark on the back of a box, you know. Mm. Um, yeah, it's good shit. Uh, right, okay, yeah. So, so the multiplayer have have you uh, have you smashed that? Uh, I, yeah, I did I've a not bunch played a lot did, and, and uh, yeah, I've done a, a good amount on on PS4 since it came out in the last few days, and yeah, I think it's superb. I love. I mean, I love the first game to death. It's my favourite online shooter, I think, ever. So this is kind of just more of that. There's some, there are some changes, and I think there are only changes that really make sense uh, if you've played the first game a decent amount. So stuff like now Titans don't drop with shields, and they have these little batteries in their back, and you can pick up batteries on the field and put them in your own Titan to get a shield, or you can jump on an enemy Titan and yank their battery out and put it in your own one. It just adds depth to the to the battle. But fundamentally, especially if you've not played the first game, I won't go into all the to sort of minutiae of how it all works. It's just sort of breakneck pace, um, level of movement around the the environment that is just completely unmatched. Uh, shooting mechanics of the highest order from the people that got shooting mechanics like that in the first place in COD 4 and kind of changed multiplayer forever there. Plus this rush of getting on a slight kill streak, getting your little boost so you can amp up your weapons or different little perks that you can choose getting to the point where you can drop your Titan, dropping that in and just extending that one life run that you have for two to three to four minutes in one match. And that rush, that that, that kind of flow is, is is really unmatched as far as I'm concerned in, in multiplayer. I do have slight concerns about that the, they're going to um, maybe play out over time. Like, is it the right decision to now not have the Titans drop in with shields? Sometimes they can feel a little weak if you're unlucky and you can't find a battery and they're not quite as um, much of an option as before, perhaps. Um, the way they split the modes out maybe doesn't make a lot of sense, but again, these we need to play for you know two three weeks at least to really start to understand whether these are problems. It's like the the classic thing with Bastion and Overwatch when everyone thought it was completely game breaking, then a week later everyone was like, oh no, it's actually quite easy to to kill. So you do need to give it a little bit of time. But overall, I mean, just fucking amazing, quite frankly. I've, it's um, like um, when they sorry. did the sorry when they, you know the they did sort of their reaction to the reaction to the first beta. And it was oh, yeah, just like, they're, they're it was that, was that really nice mix of like, okay, like some of this maybe doesn't work, but then other bits, it was like, no, you just haven't understood it yet. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it was good that they understood that. Yeah. And it was, you know, and they, unlike Bethesda worded it beautifully. So yeah, <laughs> yeah you felt, you felt like they were on your team rather than yeah. trying to pull all over your eyes. Mm. 
Yeah, I, I haven't played enough. Um, so I must have played about five or six rounds, uh, if that, because I've been so focused on the single player for now. Um, I am finding it really hard to get into the swing of it like I had been in uh, Titanfall. But then mm-hmm. I was thinking today, oh, why is that? Why, why? And it, well, obviously, I've played the original Titanfall for hundreds of hours and I know all the maps like the back of my hand and, uh, you know, I'm used to all the perks and all this sort of stuff. I've unlocked everything for a fucking start. And yep. um, so I need to put a lot more time into it before I, I, um, uh, can make a decision. There's a, there's a, there's a couple of things that, that, um, need tweaking. If anyone from the Titanfall team listened to this, I don't know why you would, but you know, there's one guy that we always keep an eye out for. Um, can you please make it so that I don't have to press Y when one of my members of my, uh, party launch a game? Because I, I hate that. I don't know why that's in there, but minor thing. Um, yeah, I, I, it's early days. What, what I will say is that the game mode changes, um, have been fantastic. I love, Amped Hardpoint, like mm-hmm. I think that is such a great idea. That because Hardpoint, for those that haven't played Titanfall, is is essentially domination, where yeah. you've got several zones uh, and you've got to stay by the zones and uh, and then you take over that zone. Well, this time that you can add like a shield to that zone. What you know, it's not really a shield, but you sort of what they call amp amp it. Stay there for a little bit longer and it puts a, a yellow ring around your base and it makes it harder for someone to come and take over your base. And um mm. it just changed the dy- dynamic of everything because you're sort of jockeying whether you need to just focus on taking over hard points or you need to focus on protecting what you've got to see out the rest of the game. Um yeah, and it, it's Titanfall, man. Like I as much as I can compare it to the first one and have my concerns, it's still Titanfall and it, it, it still feels like it's just insanely fun from the moment you drop off of your spaceship to the moment you, you know, you blow up the enemies <laughs> right at the end. It's, I, I, I can't wait to properly focus on it. Um, if it's anything like the first one, which I'm sure it is, then I've got hundreds of hours ahead of me on this game. I can't wait. God damn. Man, is it right they've said that they're just not charging for any extra shit? Apparently, it's all cosmetic. Yeah, or is stuff. that? I was sort of. I remember sort of rereading it. Thinking, hang on, have they cleverly worded this so? Oh, we're not charging for maps, but they are. You know, maybe there's something else they'll pull out of their ass. But they yeah, charged I don't know, for whatever. maps last time around, but then. Mm. Um, but, was, but the modes were free, weren't they? The modes were right? free. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't read anything about it. Yeah, it's just ma- maps and modes are free, um, but cosmetic. There's going to be a way to pay for cosmetic okay. things and shit like that, which I think is fine. That's, yeah, that's absolutely fine. It's a good option. Yeah. yeah, if I can get a pink mech, then I'm there. I, <laughs> I am there uh, with a huge flag, like a Millwall flag, uh, over the top. No one likes us. Love it. <laughs> Bang up for that. <laughs> yeah, good, good. Uh, what else you been playing? Um, so I've also been playing some Battlefield, but I don't know. I think is that also going to get talked about? On it the is. Yeah, I'll talk about that later. Cool, because I've not played enough really. So I thought I'd talk about um, a couple of VR things that I've played. Seeing as Matt's not here, if that's all right. Um, the, yeah, the main one that I want to talk about is uh, London Heist on PSVR Worlds. Uh, I've played a few different things on VR um, over the last week or so. Uh, one being Rigs, the sort of oh, yeah. mech combat slash sports game but it made me so sick <laughs> so sick that i had to turn it off and go and lie down for an hour 
I've actually I've I was, heard this is yeah yeah quite common. Uh, I mean, I I have in ear like to be to be fair, I have in ear ear problems, so I can feel yeah. motion sick just throughout the day for no reason. Uh, I, I quite often feel like dizzy. I get vertigo, so. I'm not exactly the best test case for are you going to feel sick with VR? It's like, yeah, I probably am. But it seems like any game where you have to move uh, the camera like you would in an FPS, I just can't play. And as much as I was trying to sit there and tough it out, yeah, you can't tough it out. It turns out you just start to feel like you're going to die. So really, yeah. it's quite an intense feeling. Your whole body goes hot. And yeah, I almost did properly yak playing rigs. I didn't get through the tutorial, which is the same. It does seem cool, but it also doesn't seem worth that feeling. Um but VR Heist, sorry, London Heist, um, absolutely fine. And any game there where you're kind of on rails doesn't doesn't seem to cause me any issues. So what this game is, it's only about half an hour long. And it is fundamentally just a, a light gun game with the two move controllers. But it's all done in, like you're stuck in the middle of a Guy Ritchie movie or just some sort of classic London gangster caper. And um, this is a bit cliched and the, the characters, are like they're all kind of like pastiches of what we've seen in films and on TV and stuff like that. But it's all really well performance captured. And if you've played on VR, you'll know that when someone is up in your face, uh, it's really quite an intense feeling because they're, they're massive. And it really kind of, I mean, it doesn't feel like they're there in the fact, I mean, you still know it's a video game character, but it can trick you. And there's one bit in this where you, you spend a lot of the game kind of, being tied to a chair and there's like a thuggish uh Millwall fan probably actually dave who's trying to, uh, <laughs> he's basically threatening you and um it's quite intense anyway but at one point he comes for you and i've never had a reaction playing like into any game ever that, that felt like this when he comes to you because only for a split second i'm not going to oversell it but for that split second, I genuinely fucking reacted as if, oh my god, I'm, right, we've got a fight. I'm good, let's go. And then, and then obviously, it's just a, it's just a video game. And nothing happens. But I genuinely had that fucking feeling, like that shot that you get in your gut when it's like something, someone's going to attack you or someone's going to swing a, a fist at you. And that was, yeah, a really incredible feeling. Um, that plus, it, it just does some clever stuff where you're just picking stuff up. It's really satisfying still in these kind of nascent years for or nascent weeks even for playstation vr to just be able to pick stuff up with a move controller as long as the tracking's working all right which i i had a couple of issues with and managed to fix and then there's a couple of shootouts which work really nicely there's one in a car where you're just blowing up um motorbikes that are coming past if it was in a normal light gun game you probably kind of switch it off but at one point i realized you can actually physically lean out look out of the window and look behind you and shoot things and i was yeah. like that's fucking amazing and then you're looking at the guy next to you and things like that um, yeah, just half an hour of absolute gold. I couldn't really fault it. Uh, I wish it was a longer game. I wish there was like a three or four hour version of it. I don't know if the if the kind of concept could last any longer than that. But um, yeah, I thought it was one of the best things I've played in VR. And it goes to show for me that light gun games are absolutely back to when they're that. If they're that immersive and there's just like story up in your face, it could yeah fucking visceral i hate that word visceral really it's kind of a shit word to describe games but when you feel it in your gut in your viscera that someone's going to attack you i think it's a, a fair uh, adjective to use so yeah if you get the chance definitely have a go on um, london heist i'd say yeah that sounds great but what what have been your highlights with psvr then so number one highlight i think it's fair to say is still res in area x yes. because that yeah. was the moment where it blew my mind and it reminded me of the first time that I played Res and that blew my mind but on a completely different level and mm -hmm. it was like the perfect combination of 
factors as well. It was dark. I was on my own. I'd had like, I think one and a half glasses of wine. So I was nice and relaxed. And then the game, it was all just this perfect, um, perfect moment. But the, the shark descent or whatever you call it, the shark encounter in PSVR worlds is really cool. Um, yeah, it's actually really tense and quite scary. And, uh, Thumper is, is very good, but I think that's a good game anyway. And yeah. I've not played it without VR, but it doesn't, I think that, you know, that it's the VR is good for that game, but it's not like you're moving your head around or looking around or picking anything up with the, the move controllers. Uh, Tumble VR blew my mind the first time that I played it, but the more I played it, the more I, the novelty of being able to pick stuff up died down. It's still really cool. And then it just becomes this kind of fairly basic puzzle, but definitely worth the seven quid that I, that I paid out for it. And, um, I really like what I played of uh, Here They Lie, the horror game. Um, it makes me a little bit queasy, but I can deal with it. I've only played the demo. It does shit you up a little bit, but uh, it has some really cool visual things going on and so, some some cool ideas that I wasn't expecting. I thought it was just going to be like stuff jumping out at you, and it turns out there's barely any jump scares in it, which is good. And the one it does have in the demo, it definitely earns because it's skillfully done. So I'm really interested in playing the full version of that. But um, yeah, I've not been able to get hold of it yet because you can just spend a fucking fortune at the moment. The launch lineup's so strong. Yeah, And if crazy. I didn't get motion sick, if I didn't get motion sick, I'd definitely be playing Battlezone. I'd want to give Riggs another go. Um, a few other things as well that I can't stomach. But Jesus, I mean, it's just, there's like 10 or 12 things that I really want to play. So do you see there being a future to VR gaming? Do you think this is going to last or, or is it going to tail off? Do you know what's really interesting is I was sitting there today and I hadn't put the headset on for a few days. And since I got it, I was basically just waiting for an opportunity to put the headset on. Um, but since like Titanfall came out, Battlefield and a few other things I've been busy with, I haven't put the headset on. I'm like, am I done already? And I was like, no, no, this is just, I'm just playing these games right now and then I'll go back to it. And the, the it's good thing is, sorry, it's a good thing to have so many, so much variety at launch and have so many games and so many things you want to try. But at the same time, it's a little bit overwhelming. So a few yeah. games have come since. I think it's a game called Windlands, which it looked like it made me yak, and then Tethered, and then there's a couple more. And I'm like, fucking hell, guys, I can't keep up. I can't, I mean, I certainly can't afford to buy all these games. This is ridiculous. So I think when a, something cool comes out, in a couple of months when the whole crazy season around games has died off and we're, things are a bit quieter again. I think so. I think so. I don't think it's going anywhere for me. I think I'll be there. Um, I just hope that the support stays there. I'd be really interested to know after a couple of months how it's sold and whether it's going to be a thing or whether it's just, just going to be this curiosity. But what I do know is that come Christmas when people are coming around the house, family, and we'll probably have yeah. some of like Nat's family, friends and stuff around. Uh, you know, parents of the other kids and stuff like that for drinks, and I'm going to stick everyone in this thing and just fuck them up. <laughs> see, because that's it. I mean, I'd love to see what the um, how Christmas affects the sales. I mean, post Christmas, like because you know everyone's going to be getting them out, getting them out on Christmas Day, and you know, <laughs> showing their parents that their, their new toy, or show their friends and stuff like that. I wonder if that converts into sales. It'd be weird. And I think the focus of VR gaming is to naturally go, "Well, is this going to take over uh, what we do with computer games?" And uh, no, of course it's not. We still no. like our traditional games, but that's not really the point. If it's got enough support then that's all it needs to do to survive and yeah. and become something that actually... We, Gaming's so doing. big now that you can have these almost completely separate worlds. Yeah. Like, I, I, a lot of what I do for work and 
um, is to do with esports, and it's not something that I follow really, but it's just kind of a situation I found myself in. And esports is fucking enormous, but if you look at it at as it's like a slice of gaming overall, it's it's still really small. It's just this kind of small percentage of this absolutely enormous. Uh, entertainment medium but it's still worth millions and millions and millions of dollars it's crazy so yeah i think vr if it can establish it's put its own foothold in there then hopefully it's it's cool i want it to i want it to succeed i really do oh be interesting to uh see what happens over the next few months um james what have you been playing well i've been playing two things which are really old i mean i i talked about ratchet and clank last week but i, I finished that and um, you oh, did it? you finish it, David? No, no, I got. Uh, I must have got. I was very near the end, very near the end. But um, yeah, I, I think Harry got bored of it and didn't want me to play it anymore. So that sort of killed that for me. Yeah, it's funny because the, the, my kids were not interested in it either. Like they didn't find it that interesting. Like uh, compared, you know, compared with like Mario games, they. I don't know. Maybe it's something about the artwork or something. They just found it like just. Maybe it's just unrecognisable characters. Like with Harry, it was just, no, he wanted Mario and that was it. That was what he recognised. That's what he wanted to see. I, think, I don't think it was any, anything to do with the quality of the game or the or the artwork or anything. No, that's probably true. It's Although I think it may have been, for my daughter anyway, it was probably part of was the uh, like, you know, the way the game plays because she really likes in the Mario games a whole sort of, you know, like jumping around and you know climbing up everything. And that that's the main thing I don't like so much about this is that the platforming stuff is never very interesting at all. Nah. It's um it's the weakest sort of aspect of it. Because the whole focus is mostly on the weapons. And they are cool. You know, there's there's some nice, you know, sort of weapons they got and you know, upgrading them and everything is kind of a sort of nice sort of sub game. And Mr. Zircon is very cool. But um I don't know. The game it feels very short. I mean I was done with it after a few days and I didn't really feel like I wanted to go back to it. But I mean, it, it was a budget release, wasn't it? it yeah, was, um, yeah, yeah, it came out it's cheap. So cheap. I, I would recommend it. I mean, it's absolutely, you know, significantly better than Knack was, which is, um, yeah, not really saying a lot. Is but, that the bar, James? Yeah. Is that the bar for you? <laughs> it, it is. It, it's the bar for like platformers on PS4 so far. It was like Knack. It was. So I started low, and um, yeah, this this is obviously a lot better. I mean, what I did like about it was that there is some variety. You know, they sort of have like flying areas, and you know, sort of you've got grinding and stuff to do it's it's pretty good but then now I've, I've moved on to uncharted and actually just before we started recording i think i've nearly finished it because i'm on like chapter 20 at the moment wow okay you did that quick yeah well I, pl- I played it over the weekend like a lot you know when i when i could and um this is it's one of the games that actually it works really well on like with vita remote play so i was playing it on that a lot because they allow you to customize the controls which makes it a lot um, a lot easier to play. But, I don't know how you can play a first person shooter on that. Uh, sorry, a third person shooter on that. It just seems nuts to me. Like the whole scope and yeah, it just I, seems yeah. Really like crazy. I really struggle with pretty much anything on remote play. Really, there's not many games I've been able to put up with on it. Oh no, this this was fine because it it like you can replace the um you know the uh, the targeting buttons and the you know the firing with like L one and R one so. It feels pretty much the same. It's um, it's just the latency for me. Like it's slight, but when you, yeah, games like that, I just find it really. Jarring. Have you have you set it so that it connects directly to your PS4 rather than just over the network? I have no idea. How do you do that? Shit, that, Sean that makes, it because that makes a massive <laughs> difference. It's like if you do that, there is the latency is tiny. It's like okay. it's almost like okay, it's not 
Wii U good, but it's like, you know, nearly... But what is James? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Nintendo Switch coming March next year. <laughs> anyway, it's... um Yeah, so, you know, it works really well on the on remote play, so this is why I played so much of it. Okay. But um, I know, because... When I, I was I was talking to you, David, about it during the week, and you tried to like, talk had, to me, but I just uh, I had to make you save it because I'm really interested to hear your take. Because you sent me a message saying, "Can I ask, does Uncharted get any better?" Like, so yeah. what did you not enjoy? Have you not been enjoying it? Well, I am enjoying it. Like, I mean, I've still played it like right the way up to the end, so I must have been enjoying it like to a degree. But I think one of the mistakes I made was that I played I played um like Tomb Raider before this, you know, the um the remake of Tomb Raider. Yeah. And that was like, you know, I played like the definitive version of that. And playing this after that I think is a mistake because this I mean this this is supposed to be like the remastered version, but it looks really bad. Like it doesn't look that good. You know, no. compared with like um with like Tomb Raider. But also it's really repetitive. It's a really repetitive game. And it doesn't have um you know the sort of it doesn't have the puzzles that Tomb Raider has in the sense of like you know, you know, exploring tombs and that kind of stuff, and but also the you know just the fighting the enemies over and over again. It's just wave after wave of them. It, it gets really boring. Didn't didn't you find that at all? Yeah, it's a bit relentless with that. I think I think the problem is Ryan is that I liken it to sort of the progression of Mass Effect. If you'd have mm. played. Mass Effect Two before play. I know, I know you played that. You haven't played Uncharted Two before this, but you know, going by what you're saying about Tomb Raider, if you'd played Mass Effect Two before One and then gone back, you'd have thought, "Fucking hell, man, this is this has got a lot of problems." But that wasn't yeah. the point when it came out. It was so different, yeah, to everything and- else around it that that that's why people hold. That's how there was a sequel, I think, because there was yeah. still a lot to improve. But there was something there, you know. They discovered actually, there's something in this, um, and that. I mean, I I really get that because I mean, I like the characters. They're you know they're really well like sort of you know, plotted out, and that's yeah that's pretty good. And the the voice acting's brilliant as well, and even the story's not bad. But it just feels like I know it's not a Tomb Raider game as such, but it there doesn't it doesn't really feel like there's hardly any exploration to the game at all. It's always just like you're just going from one place to another before you get attacked by another wave. Yeah, of there's no, there's I don't think there's any of that in Uncharted really. Is there? Sean, Sean, have you played through them? Uh, I've played. You know, I've only played two. Oh right, okay. Fuck um, you then, um, yeah, John. Like, that. <laughs> <laughs> You've played through them all, haven't you? Yeah, I haven't finished four yet, but I've played through the first three. Yeah. There's never been much exploration in them, has there? No, um, not exploration. No. There's it's kind of like kill room, kill room, puzzle, mm-hmm. puzzle, kill room, kill room, kill room, kill room, yeah. puzzle. Climb, Even when climb. there's like a nice yeah. bit for you to just walk through, you're sort of going, "Ah, there's a lot of waist high walls here, though." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing, like you, you run into any room and there's tons of waist high walls and you're like, Oh, here we go again. <laughs> and even I mean, even the character says that, like sometimes like Drake sometimes just goes, Oh, here we go again and it's like, Yeah, I, I really feel you, mate, because this is <laughs> we've done this wit. for like the last couple of hours. Well, you know, like, the, just... it's the, the, that's the other thing as well, isn't it? You'll you'll enter a town and then as you you're thinking, Well, hold on, where where are all the road, roads that don't just lead to the bit that you're trying to take me to? What a weird town. <laughs> <laughs> like is there's an entrance to it and an exit. Fuck you if you want to go anywhere else. Um But also I mean the problem is is like the enemies like that you're fighting, they're not intelligent enough to make it interesting, is the problem. 
because the combat it really is just like you hide behind the wall you pop up you shoot someone that's it but they don't like flank you they don't try and do anything to sort of um i mean a couple of times i've walked into a room and they're just they don't even like react to me hardly at all and then suddenly somebody goes it's him like that and then they all start like (laughs) shooting at you it's i mean i can really see that this this is the beginning of something and that's why i feel like i want to continue with this but I think looking back, it's it's not so good as um as it's not as good as I was expecting it to be. No, no, the fir- the first one was very much of its time. It was just I mm. think what everyone fell in love with was how uh the how the story and the characters were presented. You know, it felt completely mm. new, like something we hadn't seen before. You know, but while you were running around doing stuff, it was very very rare in a game at the time for the character just just start chatting away. And that mm. was kind of like a, whoa, what the fuck? This is weird. Why is my dude just like chatting away with the character standing next to him while I'm playing? It, you know, that felt really new and fresh. Obviously, every game that come out since that does that stuff. So you sort of got used to that stuff. It's not really a surprise. Um, yeah. I still think number two will hold up. I genuinely mm-hmm. do. And I think Matt really loved number two when he went through them recently. So um, I think you'll be all right with that. Uh, okay. Free. It's a toin cost. It's a toin cost. <laughs> it's a coin toss. Uh, mm. Yeah. So I don't know, but definitely play two. Definitely play two because that is still legitimately good. Yeah. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Good. I mean, I I have enjoyed it. It's just, yeah, I think it's it's because it you like you look at it as being like this is one of the best franchises ever kind of thing people are always going on about. And uh, yeah, I was a bit, a little bit disappointed, yeah, so far. But then, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe two is a lot better. Yeah, give two a go. I'd be interested to see what you think of that. Definitely. Mm. Um, okay, Sean. I have. Got, I've gone back to uh, Hyperlight Drifter. <laughs> What's that again? It was that a game that you were moaning about for ages. That it was a yes. Was was it a? So this was. <laughs> so this was a Kickstarter game, and the first trailer for it was incredible. Um, and I backed it because this was back when backing things on Kickstarter seemed like a good idea. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then there was, you know, there was a launch trailer and the launch trailer was absolutely stunning and it announced that the game was coming out on my fucking birthday and I was like, well, this is it. That's me. That's my that's my birthday night planned. Um, and uh, yeah, played it and did not really enjoy it at all. Like still love like the soundtrack and the visual design and everything was still great um but i just felt like i couldn't really appreciate those things because the game was just too fucking difficult and it didn't feel like it was difficult in you know like in a dark Souls sense where it was like okay but there's just you know there's just something to be learned here i need to get my head around it it was just pissing me off just like felt like you know, it wasn't like sort of really sort of thrilling like encounters with one or two enemies. It was just like, uh, here's 20 enemies I'm going to throw at you. Um, and it was just really frustrating and confusing. And, the, you know, the, there's like little design quirks, like I say design quirks, things obviously they obviously just hadn't thought about. Like if you enter a new room and you've got low health and no health packs, that's your save point from now on. So deal with that. Um, like every time you die, you'd respawn with no health and no health kits. That is old so, school. Exactly. It was just shit like that. We just, oh, come on. Um, 
like the a lot of the game's combat was sort of based around the fact that you have this like dodge move where you can sort of dash around um but that you know like in most games when they have something like that your character is invincible for like even a short you know even it's just like a tiny duration of that um but that wasn't the case in this which felt again just felt really frustrating and annoying like you'd be trying to dodge around or through things and you just couldn't you're just getting hit constantly so it just totally pissed me off <laughs> like i wanted to like it so badly and, and people what? did like you know I, like i'm a lot of people complained that it was too hard but other people still you know the usual internet dickheads just so you know get good scrub and all that um but some like some people were just like no I, I genuinely just really enjoyed it and sort of yes it is hard but i was okay with it so what made you go like, back to it sean well, i've gone back to it dave because well two reasons um one they've well they made a couple of tweaks uh months back um so basically you could never respawn with low health and no health kits like it always sort of gave you something to work with um and they did add some invincibility frames to the dodge move which made a surprising amount of difference um but i still couldn't really be bothered um but yeah the other week they've patched it so that it now runs in 60 frames a second instead of 30 which normally i don't care a huge amount about but it makes an unbelievable difference to the way the game feels like the combat just feels like it's still what cool kids call an animation priority game in that you can't like like whenever you initiate an attack there is a set amount of time before you can do something else like you are sort of locked into that animation as it is occurring and and yeah um so there is like a a still a certain like you've got to be deliberate with everything you do you can't just you can't just button mash but it doesn't feel sticky like it used to it used to feel like the game just wasn't listening to what you were trying to do and now it fucking does um, and that is, you know, that, that wasn't just a case of like changing a, you know, flicking a switch somewhere. Like they've had, they've basically gone through and like recoded all the, the game's animations and stuff. So fair play to them for that. They've also added an easy mode, which <laughs> a Shuntel uh, mode. Yeah, exactly. And it just like that, that was all I needed. Um, I'm not even sure what it changes. You have like, you have six health blocks instead of five. Um, Beyond that, I couldn't really tell you what else is different. I just know I'm enjoying the fuck out of it. Like, it's still, it's not easy by any means. Um, but I'm not like, you know, threatening to throw the pad out the window at every other room. And it's just like, and I'm, and now I'm getting all the things that I knew I should have been getting from the soundtrack and the way the game looks and how beautiful the environments are and stuff. Like, that's all, it's like that stuff is now allowed to get in my head. Whereas previously, I was just so, fucking annoyed playing it that just wasn't having the effect it should have been um yeah i'm fucking loving it it's proper good and like you know when you when you start the game and it's like you've got there's now so there's three four difficulty modes it's like a normal one is like this is the intended difficulty level if you've not played the game fuck that just start on easy mate it's like oh a couple of achievements are locked off if you really care then whatever but <laughs> um yeah it's just amazing like just how a co- like a few tweaks has just allowed me to like I just see the game completely differently now, um, and I'm really glad they've done it. Um, so what were their approach to? Um, how did they approach the sort of patch notes and stuff? Did they seem like they were fully accepting that there were problems with the game, or were they well, was... like they were reacting to? 
I don't know. It's weird because I've been reading, because um, obviously because I backed it on Kickstarter, so they've been doing updates on there, and it was like, when the game first came out, it was like, oh yeah, well, you know, we are hearing that some people find it difficult, but that is, that's by design. Um, so, you know, deal with it. <laughs> but then this was also, you know, at this point, they're also going, oh yeah, some people are sulking that it only runs in 30 frames a second. We don't really see why that's an issue. And to fix it would be a fucking nightmare either way. So forget it. And now here we are. They they have done it. So fair play to them. Like, yeah, but I wonder what's changed the tune. Like, I, I can only assume that just the the feedback mounted up that it was too fucking hard and the the thirty to sixty frames thing was worth doing. Hmm. Um, but yeah, just yeah, just amazing. Just like going through playing the same game and it being in the same environments, hearing the same music, fighting the same people, but just having a fucking brilliant time instead of like like it wasn't even when it was difficult. It, the, you know, like when you beat a boss in Dark Souls and you're like fucking roaring or whatever, and you're like, it just feels amazing. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this, it was just it was just like well, thank fuck that's over. Yeah, that, that. like it wasn't even relief. It was just like fuck this <laughs> um whereas now like it's not you know playing on easy mode it's not not easy easy like it's just good like it's you still have to think about what you're doing you can't just sort of just you know you still have to worry about dying and even if you even if it doesn't always feel like you're in a massive amount of danger it's still satisfying to try and do a fight without getting hit like it could like it would be so good if it just had your um uh, like platinum style ratings where it's like well actually most people can sort of muddle through but it just feels good to do it well um but yeah yeah good game good game i'm never gonna play it so you <laughs> should i honestly i honestly think you'd, you'd enjoy it okay i'll play it um <laughs> <laughs> uh, right okay bye go um i've still working through forza horizon 3 it is still an amazing game one thing that i didn't mention last week that i feel that i should mention we focused on we mentioned that you know the um uh the street races where they're like no you shouldn't be doing the street races but here's the icon <laughs> flashing in the in the menu type um what i didn't mention is that it completely changes the style of race as well like it's it's usually at night which is um which is different um there's usually traffic on the road where there's not in the normal races and the driver tiles are pricks like so they've actively made the whole racing feel completely different in in uh those modes if you want to call them that um and i just uh, yeah can't stop playing it rolling around in pink cars at the moment because harry just wants all the cars pink for some reason um so still playing that still good buy it it's really good um also, I, I absolutely hammered Battlefield 1 last last week, and uh, I'm now confident, in my opinion, that this is the best Battlefield game I've played since 3. I mean, it might even be better than 3. I'm absolutely loving it at the moment. Uh, so I switched class to Medic. That makes a huge difference because the gun is fantastic. Like, the default gun for the Medic is just off the charts. Unfortunately, I think that's going to be nerfed soon because whenever you enter a um, a game, there's about 50 million medics. It's just like one dude with a grenade launcher. It's, it's, it's kind of... I don't know if it is unbalanced. It's hard to tell because there's so many medics about that it, it, it doesn't really... Um, you can't really judge it. But, 
yeah, and I mean, it's stunning to look at and really fun to play. Like, even we were playing some of the new game modes, which have never been, you know, whenever I play Battlefield, it's always been Conquest or Rush. Like, that's it. Um, that's what you focus on. Conquest when you want it to be just a little bit more manic. Rush when you want a little bit of strategy to approaching uh, objectives and stuff. Um, the, what was it, the um, the new mode, what is it, Pigeon? Oh, was it War Pigeons, it's called? Have you played this yet, John? No, I've not played it yet. Tiny maps, few players. You've got to grab a pigeon, hold on to it until you've added a message to it, and then release it in the open air. Um, but then, of course, the people can shoot it as it's flying up into the sky, and the other team can <laughs> don't shoot it and stuff. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's never going to replace Conquest or Rush for me, but uh, it is just, just, you know, a good distraction from... Like, if you're getting a little bit bored of just how manic Battlefield can be and mm. how often you die in those things. You still die often in this, but it feels like it matters less, and it's just a nice little aside. Um the other one was the uh, operations mode, which I don't think we mentioned. Did we mention operations last week, where it runs you through um, sort of real life battles during World War One? Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It strings together like because I did that shit joke about Dynasty Warriors. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, well, that's good. You played that with me as well, didn't you, John? Yeah, I. I mean, you need to set aside pretty much an evening for it, I think. But it was about forty-five minutes to an hour, wasn't it? Was that it? Start to finish. Yeah, okay. it wasn't that long. I don't. Yeah, think. but I think I think that was one of the shorter ones. I think one of them had like four whole maps to it that, that you can do, which would yeah, that would take forever. Yeah, yeah, it would take. But um, yeah, I mean, a really cool idea, like chaining, chaining a game across multiple maps, and uh, yeah, having that that kind of back and forth. It definitely felt really, really epic, but. Yeah, I mean, I, I really, I really like what I've played. When it's going my way, I think I, when Battlefield's not going my way, it's hellish. Oh God, yeah, that's that's the downside of Battlefield. I mean, you've got to expect it. I suppose you can't be on the top of your game and absolutely yeah. tearing people apart all the time. But yeah, it's one of the most frustrating games when you're getting hammered. Uh, when you're you come across a team that know what they're doing and you've been put in a team that that just seem like fucking idiots, uh, or you're just not in the right frame of mind and you're just getting shot and killed over and over and over again. It, it, I, I mean, I mentioned this in my review, the, the, it can be the most frustrating game you've ever played. There's no doubt about it. And, um, especially when, you know, cause it's the sort of game that lag does have a major effect in what, like your experience you know there's certain games like you look at football games and stuff if there's a little bit of lag it can be frustrating but never you know to the point where you just never want to play it again there are times where i've been playing battlefield one and just thought i can't keep doing this it's <laughs> setting, like my blood is boiling at the moment i'm sweating um yeah but i i mean you counter that with the peaks where you've taken down six people and then set a charge on the on the thing, and it's kind of like oh, yeah. this is the greatest experience ever. <laughs> there was a few few modes where um we were playing where where we just all suddenly come together, and it it was everyone says this, and it's such a shit thing to say, but when you have those battlefield moments where all of a sudden you look around and all your team are working together to mm-hmm. either defend an objective or t- or take it or, or attack it. Um, that's when that game feels like no other first-person shooter. That's where it no feels doubt. fucking beautiful. And you can also have like these individual stories that you're having. You can be in a squad with like four friends, but you've got yourself stuck underground doing something while everyone else is over a different part of the map, especially in Conquest. 
and you're having this like individual story with perhaps some people on your team who aren't in your squads, so you're not communicating with them. I had this when we were playing the other day when I was just in a bunker and the tank kept coming. It's because I was on the other team to you. That's right. It made me <laughs> join your game, but it put me on the other team. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think you were in. You guys were involved in this individual little skirmish in the map. You guys were probably doing something else. But me and the, the guys on our team were just defending this underground bunker while your team kept driving tanks into it, which was really fucking stupid, by the way, but it wasn't you that was doing it. <laughs> and, um, yeah, it was just like this really, really intense little sort of, War, as a, calling it a war story is really crass, but you know, like you're you're playing a war, so whatever. That's just what I'm going to call it for now. And you get those in Battlefield, and when it's like that, it doesn't even need to be something grandiose, like you're taking the objective or you're winning the game or you're going on a kill streak. It can be something like that. And you can even be dying, but when it's like this cool little story that you're not going to see the next time you play that map or you're not going to see the next time you play that mode, it's just happening right now, just to you and the people in there. That's what makes Battlefield so special for me. And Battlefield One's definitely delivering that for me far more than Four ever did. Mainly because every time I tried to play Four, it didn't work. Yeah. And I'm sure, yeah, you know, I know it got good after that, but I never really got to enjoy it in the same way that I did to a point with Three. But Three always felt like the Xbox 360 was struggling, and yeah, it, I just didn't enjoy it as much as as Bad Company Two. Is that right? Yeah, Bad Company Two. But this this is definitely the one I've enjoyed the most since then. Yeah, it helps that it feels like the most solid at launch you know what i mean yeah yeah it just works yeah. And, yeah yeah they've had, had no issues that and titanfall actually uh touchwood uh have, have both worked great um, i will say that the 64 player games on xbox one are a little a little choppy it's not like proper slow down snes style but um yeah it just feels a little bit heavy like the xbox one's going oh really like can't we just do the fourth <laughs> mate oh, but, i'm trying to do all this TV yeah, stuff. Yeah. Oh, I got a message. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Have you noticed that, that with your Xbox One as well recently? If you're playing like one of the more recent games that are asking more more of it, if mm. you hold down the button to turn, you know, you hold down the button on the controller to turn the Xbox off, sometimes it takes about a minute for it to load that menu yeah, up. I'm like, oh my God. God you want to look at your friends list. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I will say this, it is quite funny playing... Uh, well, basically, when that game where John was put on the other team, um, our other friend Lionel was playing, and <laughs> he was fucking hammered, and it was just funny hearing from the other side, like someone obviously, like John was on the other side and watching what he was doing, but also hearing his tactical ideas. And there was a bit where he ran up to the base that John was hiding in and was like, "Right, Dave, I'm going to chuck my smoke grenade in there. Get ready to rush in." And then I just heard uh, John go. Yeah, he chucks it over the base, and it's uh, it's set off behind me now. <laughs> just, I was barely laughing, man. It was fucking beautiful. Um, yeah, Battlefield and Titanfall. Jesus Christ. I know. Just, just, they released them within a week of each other, so Titanfall got no fucking chance of selling any copies. It, it, it's so upsetting. All I can do is, if you're, if you're in the same boat as us, and are playing Titanfall, and thinking, oh my God, this is utterly incredible tell your friends to fucking buy it like yeah. because it's getting lost and it's getting hammered out there <laughs> it's getting hammered out there you, by all you... rights it should be like the biggest game it's not like it's a, a niche thing or an indie game or you know like a from a small studio or any or like a small publisher or anything like that it's like as polished as you can get as like mainstream as you can get from the people that fucking make Call of Duty and yeah it's well I mean we all we know is that it came forth 
in the UK charts this week, but you can only assume, considering its numbers, the lower apparently than Titanfall 1. Yeah, I, that launch. surprised me because I yeah, thought yeah, just by virtue of being on the PS4 as well, it was going to shift. But yeah, yeah. yeah. But everyone's buying Battlefield, which is great, and I'm pumped for those guys. But mm. I mean, who's but you know, even the telling thing is, I knew this was the problem. Our, our, our friends that we play with and we put in a hundred plus hours on the first Titanfall, none of them have yet bought Titanfall two. That's true, you know. I can't believe that. Those, and if those guys aren't buying it, like. The veterans, the Gen yeah. 10 veterans. Yeah. Like, what's going on? It's I mean, just weird because, like, like, obviously the first one didn't do as well as they'd hoped, but obviously EA were like, look, it wasn't the game's fault. Let's do another one. <laughs> and this one, and they, you know, and they sent this out to fucking die right after Battlefield. And yeah. it's just, it's just weird. It, well, everyone like, said it, the it, moment like, it was announced that, whoa, should you be doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. <it> was, <laughs> It, it's not pretty obvious. All I'll say, right, is I've seen a lot of people saying, oh my God, it's disgraceful that Titanfall come out on this date and, you know, it, it, they're killing it and blah, blah, blah. No, tell your friends to go and buy it. Let's. You look at what happened to Rainbow Six Siege. Um, that really flew after launch because of, you know, how much praise it got. Um, and I know it's come out at a different time period and it wasn't really competing with anything directly, but a lot of that was word of mouth. Just, if you like this game as much as we're enjoying this game, fucking tell people to buy it because mm-hmm. they'll have a good time when they buy it. It's not like a one of these things that's, eh, you might enjoy it. No, Titanfall is fucking amazing. Uh, Jesus, I can't wait to get back on it. But there you go. Right, okay, that's what we've been playing this week. Uh, should we go to questions? James, this is your time to shine. Okay, so yeah, if we've got some emails. <laughs> um, if you want to email us, it's the computer okay. game show at gmail.com. Yep. Um, and somebody called Matt Murray has emailed us. Um, he says, Hi all, last week some of you were talking about the Switch like it's the perfect device that straddles the portable market and the home console market. Why was Matt not here? It, this would have been much better for the news, like for me to, you know, maybe what are you some help. About? Well, yeah, but will a machine with a rumored price <laughs> of three hundred pounds, twice God. that of the three DS, and a rumored three to four hour battery life, half that of the three DS, be the worst of both worlds? I just can't see parents who might usually buy a three DS for their kid suddenly start buying a three hundred pound tablet like gaming console instead. Matt Murray. Matt always bangs on about well, they, you know, they play iPads, don't they? Didn't um, we discuss this last week? Because I remember, because Davis, you, you were saying about getting one for Harry, and I was like, mate, £300, he's going to fucking he's going right into the nearest wall, surely. I, but then we established that Dave was rich, and it was fine. <laughs> rich. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, maybe the price will hurt it. I'm not too sure. I just, I kind of think, well, it's primarily like a portable console that you plug in rather than a home console that you take away with you, right? Mm. That's the way it's seen. And it is an expensive product. Like, oh, It is. We don't know if it's an expensive product yet or not. We don't know the price. Um, I just... I don't know. I I've, I think if it's good enough, people will buy it. Like, I don't, I don't see it as being this, this thing that falls through the cracks of what's a portable console and what's a home console. If it plays some really good games and you can do both... <laughs> I think that's a different market that also, you know, also sort of gathers up bits of both sides of that market, if you know what I mean. 
I don't know, man. It's too early, isn't it? Don't really mm. know. It'd be interesting to see how the market reacts, but I won't. You you already said it would be interesting. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you just said no. Oh, never mind. Forget it. I said it'd be interesting. Anyway. I just it'd be like I just don't know how they're going to react. I I think it's going to be a positive reaction. I think I think this is going to sell, but I'm not saying that's what's going to happen because fuck knows. God, God, no. what? Who? I'd All be right, Michael Pactor. There we go. Say that. I'll be that little word, fella. Word. <laughs> is that what he does? Does he sort of say, "Oh no, I'm just guessing"? Actually, I don't know the no. man's work. All I heard that he was on your podcast once, Sean. Was because we called him a paedophile. There you go. Uh, next question. That's how you do it. Okay. <laughs> if you could create a big okay. popular convention for any one single game, similar to Minecon, what would it be and why? Hey, when you send that in. <laughs> why do you why do you leave out the people that sent them? <laughs> I didn't. The first one I said it was Matt. This one I was just about to say who it was. You know. <laughs> didn't get a chance. A convention based around a single game. Yep. Go on, Sean. I'd like to hear your uh, you could do um if you did a El Shaddai one, which would just be me and Keza McDonald, which of course she doesn't even know who I am, so that'd be interesting. <laughs> Um, what else? <laughs> James, Escape Three, Escape yeah. Three, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not for me. Probably Titanfall. Probably a Titanfall one for me. Just go sit and play Titanfall all day. Rocket League. Fuck it, Rocket League. Yeah, there's got to be a Rocket League convention somewhere, right? I'm surprised that hasn't. Like, does that have like an esports scene? Because yeah. I only ever see people banging on about either fighting games or fucking mobas. Yeah, it does. Have yeah, it's yeah, a, a light, a light one. It's not cool. taken off as much as they thought it would have. I think. See, that that seems weird, doesn't it? Yeah. It seems perfect for it. It's too watchable. <laughs> <laughs> it's too good. It's too yeah. good for esports. Yeah. Uh, John, I don't know. A tough question. I was going to say, yeah, yeah, Tightscon or Tightsland. Tightsland sounds great. Um, oh, hang on. Are we, is this moved? Is this moved on to an actual theme park rather than a, a, yeah. a convention? Because that, yeah, okay. Well, That's yeah, because that was the other thing. I hate conventions so much. I just don't like being not <laughs> the people. It's, I don't like being in those big buildings, and I, I just don't enjoy yeah. it at all. And I don't yeah. really enjoy any of them. Um, Do you ever get so... that feeling when you're at those things like EGX, where like you get excited about going and seeing all these games and stuff, but there is a moment in the day where you go. I'm just in a big warehouse with some TVs and stuff. I've only ever gone to those things for work. I've never gone for for fun ever, and I just associate them with feeling like shit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so normally just hung over by the second day and just feel awful, or just just generally just like walking around bad back. I sound old, but I've been like that since I was a kid. So I, whatever. I always get the fucking, get that. I always get the EGX flu. Yeah, go, yeah, yeah. That's brutal as well. It's because people just grabbing those hands with their fucking dirty, they're grabbing the um, sorry controllers with the fucking dirty hands and not yeah. fucking not washing their hands when they go for a you piss. Need to, you need to bring some um, wet some wipes. Wet wipes with you. Yeah, yeah, anti back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, well, there's ones you use for your bum or like actual disinfectant ones. There's disinfectant ones, I guess. They'd be better. Mm-hmm. I think they both work in equal mm-hmm. measures. James, next question. Okay, we've got tweets. Um, if you want to tweet us, it's at Computer Game Pod on Twitter. Have a little bit Nathan. of excitement in your voice when you're plugging away, eh? Come on, let's pick it up. Do, do you want to do this? Nope. Seriously? No, I don't. Go on. <laughs> okay, Nathan says, uh, as you're recording on Halloween, what are your favourite scary games? 
I don't like scary games. You see, I, I don't, but Left 4 Dead, man. Come on. Left 4 Dead is... Yeah, I it's never... scary, though, is it? Yeah, I never really associate with being scared. But I think that's... <laughs> scary to me. Um, but I it was, like, it scary is. in, like, a genuinely thrilling way rather than, like... Do you not know, think it was scary? Like, I don't know. The first time I heard The Witch, I was freaked out. I'd first time you hear, the first time you hear it's the first time you get smokered. Jesus Christ. Is that not... No? Is that just me? No, I think I'm with you. I... I, I okay. Yeah, I, I guess I just didn't, I never associate it with being a scary game, but I guess it is. Like, mm. it's definitely, like, got the right themes to it and stuff. And yeah, the first time you run through a map, like, it is horrific. <laughs> like, mm. when you get the, the showpiece at the end where everyone has to turn on each other and stuff, that is, uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, I guess that counts. So it's probably mm. that. In, in traditional terms, it's probably PT, because that was the one that really, like, was like, mm. wow, this is genuine. Uh, fear. Um, and also a game that gets overlooked is Fear 2. I really liked that game, mm. and that was a scary game, I guess. That's the one where you get, um, sexually assaulted by a ghost at the end, isn't it? I think so. I can't really remember the ending. I remember there being a tree. I remember <laughs> a tree. Like, not right. just, <laughs> not just that there was a tree in it. Like, it, there was a tree in the middle of nowhere, and something happens around the tree. It was important. It just went just like, <laughs> <laughs> fucking tree that but uh yeah john um yeah i mean i i, I used to love like, horror games absolutely love them and i can't really handle them in the same way that i used to be able to now pt is an incredible little piece of work but I, I, it's horrendous i call it satan's own video games it's, it's unbelievable it's unbearable i tried yeah. to put it on again the other day it's unbearable um Silent Hill 2 is one of my all-time favourite games yeah. and uh yeah the, the i can't the thought of going back to it now really does kind of chill me in a way that it didn't used to 10, 12 years ago, whenever the hell I played it. Um, the Project Zero games, they're a little bit kind of anime, short skirt weirdness, but yeah, spooky, like genuinely spooky and chilling at times, kind of very, very dark. I'm trying to think if there's any more kind of Western ones. Outlast was quite good. Um, and yeah, some of the VR stuff's quite good as well, but there has been a tendency over the last few years to just do the whole Slender Man jump scare, mm. let's get a YouTube hit, uh, and that kind of killed horror games. Just like, I mean, horror cinema went through a terrible, terrible period as well, uh, where it all kind of went torture porny and then all this sort of stuff, and there wasn't any good horror films for years. And I think horror games had that for a while, but I think VR hopefully bring the the power back but uh, will it ever be as good as Silent Hill again I think when I mean, they were such good games probably not Bloodborne that counts yeah. right yeah I, mean, See, I would say me? yeah like I would say Bloodborne is a horror game but I don't know if it was scary and you know what I mean I was fucking freaking out throughout the whole yeah, thing yeah I was pretty okay. scared but not Silent Hill scared not like don't want to go to the shop scared I didn't just smoke <laughs> all you back then I don't smoke anymore so maybe that was it <laughs> uh james see i i kind of agree because i think silent hill 2 yeah that was a uh, that was pretty scary and uh but then also the one, other one that i really liked was silent hill 4 you know the room mm-hmm. I, I know that it wasn't very popular and a lot of people hated it but i really liked that you know this section right at the beginning and throughout you know because you have to keep going back to the room where you're just like looking out at sort of the normality like in the street and everything but then you know that there's something else you know, going on beyond your door. And that, yeah, I, I like that. I thought that was quite yeah. interesting. And, yeah, I uh, think it's underrated, that game, definitely. Yeah, and maybe, obviously, PT, which um, yeah, which was horrific. 
but uh, yeah, apart from that, so I mean, I, I really like like a lot of those sorts of games, you know, like Resident Evil and some of like that, but they're not scary. Like they're not really scary games. No. Whereas yeah, like Resi Four, like again, it's, it's not scary because you feel competent and you feel in control of yeah your ability to deal with whatever the game's going to chuck you, which is why it's so good. Um, yeah. But as a but result, then also, not really scary. But also, that's why Silent Hill was always really good because it kind of takes that away from you. Like you yeah. always, you never feel in control. Like really. And so, uh, yeah, which is good. Do you, you guys into Halloween? Do you do all that shit? Nah. It's really um, strange. Yeah, I just went out trick-or-treating first before like, this John? podcast. It, it, I mean, yeah, it wasn't great. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, the kids loved it. They got sweets. I, I put a mask on. I actually looked pretty fucking scary. It was just a crap Dracula mask, but I'm wearing a hoodie. And I just put it on with the hood up, and I tightened the hood up. And it was funny because it was a really like busy area with loads of kids going out and all the parents were like, looking at, looking at all the kids. And then like, a lot of them looked at me and they were like, fuck, that is actually quite scary. And then they, didn't, they just kind of looked away again. So that was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that. but scary as in, oh my God, that looks like a monster. Or scary as in, actually, you look like you're going to actually mug someone. The fucking stabbers, yeah. <laughs> it was the second one, but more like kill. it's weird i kind of feel like my my dad is one of those guys that's like no it's a fucking american thing fuck that he kind of robbed us of any sort of joy during this period yeah i didn't do it when i was a kid yeah Yeah. when when i was a kid it wasn't a thing anyway like not not like it is now yeah like i've i've no yeah no massive objection to it i just don't know she's never really appealed same with proms as well i never had a prom at school and they all do it now it's really weird. But yeah. There you go. What's a prom? It's um. You like the dance, school dance, yeah, school dance. Yeah. yeah, that's what we had. Uh, school no, disco. You see, we yeah, we had a prom, but there was no like, I don't know, wasn't very formal. I know, like in America, there's a the whole thing like, oh, who are you taking to prom? I just showed up with a load of my mates in a fucking van. It was ace. But <laughs> yeah, it's because no one would yeah. go with you, Sean. That's the problem. Well, exactly. I mean, there's no <laughs> point asking. But you know. <laughs> all right, then next question. Okay, Phil says, um, do any of you use thumbstick grips, extenders, or any other kind of controller mods? And what are your thoughts on them? Well, you come to the right place, mate, because I have currently got metal sticks uh, in my PS4, and they're the best thing I've bought recently. Mainly because I haven't bought much. I'm fucking skint, but um, yeah, get those fucking stick sorted on your dual shot four because the ones that come with the thing are absolutely atrocious i hate them so um, I've, never, I've never had any issues with the dual shot four sticks you haven't played a football game with them i'm telling you that is the killer they and i never will so does that mean i <laughs> yeah yeah maybe so i do, I do find that my my sort of thumbs slip off them a lot easier than they do on the xbox one pad yeah they do they, it, it's insane um but yeah, they're really, really easy to switch out and you can just buy normal rubber Xbox One sticks and stick them in there. Or um, they do sort of metal ones on Amazon so they won't wear down. Because I put, I put Xbox One sticks in them and they eventually wore down after about a year. Um, not terribly, they still work and they're not as bad as when you wear down a DualShock 4 stick. But um, yeah, the metal ones are fucking perfect. I'm well happy with them. And they're the perfect match. They're the same, same sort of sticks, the same size and stuff. Uh, as the Xbox One ones, so that you, they're really easy to open up your pad and just pop them in. I haven't used the add-on ones. The only thing that I've used that's kind of like that was on the DualShock 3, those little trigger things that pop out rather mm. than stick in. And they just, although they were a lot better, they just felt cheap and nasty and horrible to use. So, yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I fucking hate it. the DualShock Three was one of my least favorite pads of all time. It was shite, wasn't it? It was bad. People <laughs> still defend it. No, it was fine. It was it was appalling that pad. I hated it. Just the fucking triggers. It was just yeah. I, I, who come up with that idea? No, let's curve them so that there's literally Your no way you just can slip off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then the fact that like pretty much every racing game on the PS3 had X to accelerate instead of the right trigger really speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dear. How about you, um, uh, John? Have you got loads of little bits of plastic to stick on your pads? No, I've got nothing, but I've heard that the control freak things that you stick on the sticks that kind of make them bigger are supposed to be really good if you play shooters for your accuracy. Mm-hmm. And the, like, the whole scuff controllers, I've heard that, yeah, the build quality of those is really good again if you play shooters. Uh, and apparently, yeah, it just makes it so much easier to play. But I never actually think about buying anything like that. I just deal with it. Oh, mate, please, next time I'm over, please let me stick some Xbox One sticks in one of your pads. Because you you just won't look back after that. Is a DualShock uh, DualShock 4 with Xbox One sticks is the best pad, like, ever. If you want to do it, then I'd be more than happy for you to do that. Good. But it's just if I will do it, try to do it, I, I can't look. I can't even speak. Let alone <laughs> fix everything. Do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely break it. There's no two ways about it. I'd break every single part of it, and I'd probably break my <laughs> PS4 as well. It's like when Matt, when I, I was telling Matt how easy it is to change a screen on his his iPhone, and he cracked his screen and tried to do it, and absolutely destroyed his iPhone. <laughs> I felt really bad, but at the same time, what are you going to do? Uh, is that it? Is that the last question? No, we got this more. We oh, got some. Um, yeah, Pete Haynes says it's just over a today. week until the pro is released. Do you find the lack of marketing worry worrying? Uh, I pre-ordered anyway. No, I this. Admit, I, had, I had I had no fucking idea. It was Same. So yeah. This seems to be what Sony are doing now, and I think they're <laughs> they're gonna. Uh, my prediction is that the marketing is going to go on like into things when um, the sales calm down a little bit. Because I'm assuming that they're going to be sold out on the first day. They're going to have enough to sort of cover the pre-orders, or or um, they're going to be hard to come by. Uh, I just, I think, I don't know. They didn't do it for PSVR, and that seemed to sell very well. So, can't see a problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Next question then. <laughs> Don Johnston says. Joypad is a good name. Controller is a good name. What do you think of the Joy-Con? Is it a worse name than the Wii U? I would contest that Joypad is a good name. Controller's a bit sterile as well. I mean, Joypad? What's, it, what's that mean? <laughs> it's a pad of joy, isn't it? Um, I, oh, we, right. we called things Wiimotes. People literally said Wiimotes. I don't think Joy-Con's going to be a problem. Just no. to take a little while to get used to. Yeah. Well, have you got a Wiimote? Yeah, I've Wiimote got Wiimote. and Nunchuck. <laughs> Fuck off, Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Did they name their other pads? Was it literally just N64 controller, GameCube controller? There's the Wavebird. That was a, the that was like a pad, wasn't it? That was a pad. It oh, was, yeah. You kids don't know about that fucking Wavebird, but that was <laughs> glorious. You had to set a number on it. There was a dial. <laughs> There's a fucking dial with a number on it. Jesus. Love that thing. Okay, and one last question. Uh, Sean, who's your standout player for Tranmere this season? Fucking, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't know a single 
Drumhead player. <laughs> we gave you a team. Yeah. Put some effort in. I want you to buy a shirt next for next week. They're forty yeah. quid. Uh, I want a photo of you at a game. <laughs> <laughs> and I want you to know two players. Would that be all right? Two. <laughs> I mean, I can I can look. Uh, what do you want? Do you just want names, or do I have to actually know things about them? No, well, you have about to know them. them. They need to know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We want them to uh, have a t-shirt like underneath their football shirt, and when they score, rip it off and just say hi, Sean. <laughs> hi, Sean Fell. <laughs> yeah, midnight resistance t-shirt. <laughs> Uh, right, that's it. Um, Matt's not here, so do what you want on the internet. There's no homework for you this week. Um, although leaving us a review would be nice. John, thanks so much for coming on again. You've made a big change in your career since you were last on. Do you want to explain it to our listeners? Well, I mean, I haven't made a massive change in my career, but I have started a YouTube channel. Uh, just typing guacamole kid or just my name, John J O N Denton, into YouTube, and you can uh, check those videos. I'd imagine a lot of people that listen to this podcast have already seen them. Um, so thanks very much if you have and supported it. So you check it out, watch the videos. It's kind of just the stuff that I talk about on here, some stupid shit, and then me just trying to be uh, as thorough and um, sort of uh, analysing, as thorough as I'm being right now, just sound, talking about absolute rubbish. Yeah, it's me just trying to analyse games and doing what I love to do, um, but in front of camera. I'm learning as I do it, but uh, I'd love it if people went and checked it out. So yeah, type in Guacamole Kid into YouTube. That would be fantastic. The one that you've got to check out is his top 10 games to play on PSVR that isn't PSVR compatible. Um, That's the biggest video so far, yeah. Yeah, it's well good. It's just games that look really good on that big sort of fake screen. Yeah. Um, and people forget that you can actually stick an Xbox One in there and stuff. It's uh, it's a good video. Go and watch it, and then go buy. You PSP just ruined the twist at the end there, Dave. I did, yeah, because I was a little bit annoyed, John, <laughs> that you ignored my suggestions. I put what some was your crack- suggestions. Um, Geometry Wars Evolved. Yeah, but I told you I didn't have that. I d- you don't need to have it. Just say, ah, oh, my mate Dave said this one, and he's totally right. I trust his right. judgment. I'll I'll take it down and re-edit it thanks man alright see you later guys thanks for living it we'll see you next week hopefully oh actually I'm not here next week so fuck knows what's going to happen I'm not not really sure because it's only yeah it's only me and Matt John do you want to come back on (laughs) next month yeah probably yeah (laughs) I think I can (laughs) probably not going to be a show next week (laughs) good night (laughs) 